Welcome to the Transformation Podcast. I'm Chris Sanchez, and I'm joined here with Darren Davis, pastor and senior leader here at the Harbor Church. Darren, in today's episode, we are talking to Ryan Groth. Ryan is a man's man, and his story is a man's story. But you know what? It's a vulnerable one, and it's a humbling one, and I was really happy that he was able to share some of those spots in his testimony. So what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, this one brought me to tears. I've known Ryan and Lindsay for a while, actually performed their wedding. And just, you know, he's a type A personality. He's he's a driver. He's a guy that likes to go and build and do great things. And in this one, he really gets vulnerable and gets down to, you know, kind of some of those deeper places in his heart and shares a really profound testimony and journey with his family and the brokenness that he walked through there. It's got to be interesting for you, Darren. He, he mentions you in a story that involves his dad, and we've heard other stories from other people who's been on this podcast mentioning you. It's got to be surreal a little bit to kind of hear their side of an experience that you had. Can you talk about just the full the fullness of seeing both sides of an experience that God was able to touch? Yeah, I think it's encouraging because, you know, so often in ministry, in giving your life to others— you know, you don't really hear a lot of, of what does take place. And it's, it's like Jesus, even when he healed those 10 lepers, only two came back and told them thanks and even reported to him what had happened. So this is changing me as I'm listening to these stories. And, you know, every now and then here, like Ryan alluded to, a way that I was involved in that story and God used me. I know that it's the work of Jesus, but it, it's it's super humbling. And I can't wait for y'all to hear a portion of this podcast. It's all amazing, but there's a moment when I just lost it in this one. And so we invite you again to listen into another profound testimony of a life transformed. Ryan Groth, it's good to have you here. Thanks, Chris. So I actually had the privilege of sitting down for Prism with your wife, Lindsay. She's fantastic. She has such a mother's heart. So I'm happy to see the other side of the coin here. I guess we can start there. Talk about your marriage a little bit. Talk about how you and Lindsay walk hand in hand, but mm-hmm. also you guys have your own walk individually with the Lord. So just give a little bit and share a little bit about that walk. Sure. Yeah. yeah actually, I met Lindsay here at the harbor. So, Is this like a connection spot? Because you're not the only person who's met other people here before. You know, there was a really interesting time, 2010, 11, when the harbor just, it was kind of like a big cohort of young people. There was a bunch of folks here just really excited about what God was doing and a lot of single people, you know, and hearts are opening up, we're getting touched by the Lord and, you know, connecting with each other. And um, my eyes are definitely open and seeking as I'm thinking of being a family man as part of obviously like how I want to live out, you know, the de- my journey with with the Lord. And uh, so I met Lindsay and actually at Tijuana Flats during the summer, a bunch of singles went over to go grab some lunch. It's been a real blessing to be married in this community because we're known, everybody's connected to us. They've known us since before we met each other. So they've, we've had a lot of support here in our church to, and to be married and to grow. I feel like, I feel like uh, this has been a, a great 
dynamic for us. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm really you know more the driver. I'm more of a competitor. You know, the one who's really pushing us in a, in a lot of ways. Where Lindsay's creative like nourisher you know she kind of keeps everything healthy she's making sure we're eating healthy food she's making sure we're sleeping enough she's making sure that we're not going too hard and we're taking enough time to rest she's like the barometer to making sure uh, our hearts are good and you know healthy she's uh she's amazing yeah we we have there's a lot to say we could do a whole podcast on our (laughs) marriage i'm sure but Lindsay is just a complete gem proverbs 31 woman and She's the biggest blessing aside from knowing the Lord in my life. Have you always been a driver? Have you always been someone to push and yeah. be competitive? Yeah. Since you were little, what was that? I think, you know, part of it is being a firstborn, I think, or she's like the last. She was the youngest. I think that's part of the dynamic. I was also a professional athlete, so I played pro baseball and collegiately before that. So to go from amateur to professional sports, you got to be pretty driven to like work hard to do that. Where did you play? What position did you? I was an outfielder. Okay. Yeah. So like I could hit. I was a hitter, really aggressive hitter. I could hit really, really well. But then I'd get into pretty bad streaks and strike out a lot and throw my helmet and stuff. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was a that was a cool chapter. No, I I loved uh, I loved to compete. Played football. Yeah, just always been kind of driven. I think part of that is you know being a firstborn, like I said. But then just wanting a better life. You know, saw saw a lot of brokenness in the family. There was some drug usage. And I've always felt like I knew that wasn't what that wasn't the best part of that. My childhood in my childhood, I was exposed to my grandparents, and they had a good lifestyle of ministry and loving the Lord and ministering to others. So I, I tasted that as a child a little bit. I think that gave me a contrast for some of the brokenness I was living within. You know, my father and my mother when she remarried, I was always motivated to, to think, "Hey, I, this is some of what I don't want to see happen when I get a family started." So I've always, for probably since I was 16 and started coming to the knowledge of my own relationship with Jesus, I was like, I want to do family. I want to do it well. I want to make sure we're not lacking. So whatever the step looked like, I was attracted to to getting it done, just finding a way to, to grind and grow and work. Was part of the motivation not making the same mistakes or not having the same environment that you grew up in? Hugely. Hugely. I'm thankful because I don't, I'm not frustrated or angry at all with any of what my parents did. They did their very best, and I'm so glad they did. Thankfully, I got enough vision from God in what the Bible says and others in the church community that kind of modeled what a fruitful, blessed life could look like. So as I was kind of feel that spiritual family woven into the fabric of my life, I was very motivated to find a way to be more successful, but not because my parents were, I didn't love them. I'm just, I'm thankful for them. But I was like, hey, this is more, there's more. And I'm sure they wanted that. They wanted more for my life than their life. You know, there was drugs, there was alcohol, there was infidelity, there was yelling and screaming and a lot of that. There was some good parts, but most of it was, was pretty, was pretty tough. You know, that we, by the time we were eight, my mom and dad divorced. We lived in Long Beach, California. It's funny, for years, I wanted to go back and see and feel that that time, you know, in that neighborhood in Long Beach, whenever I, uh, whenever they divorced, our families split up. Sure, there's damage there, but over the years, the Lord really restored my heart and to my dad and to my mom and healed me. And this year, I got to go back and I, uh, I took an Uber when I was in LA for for an event, and I found I found that home, and I just got to like 
be there for a minute. It was beautiful. It was like the whole home was restored and looked beautiful. And I was like prophetically thanking the, thanking the Lord for that chapter and almost got to hug that little kid who got this, his parents were doing whatever they could to, to just survive. And, uh, but no, it's kind of like here I am. So big part of my motivation was to see, to, to get all that I can in this life and thank, thankful for the contrast of, of what that brokenness could, could have been and said, here's what addiction could be like, right? Here's what lust could turn into. Here's what not having a good job and not having finances could look like. And I was just like, I don't want that. Can you take us there? Can you take us to a moment where you remember something that jumps out to you when you were younger mm-hmm. that the Lord specifically worked in your life? And now as a father, you're able to take that redemption and use it for yourself and your family. There was a few, but I think the biggest one was when I became a Christian or so to quote unquote, going to church in high school, I was living with my dad and I've been living with my dad at that point with my brother since I was 12. So think like basically middle school and high school, I was with my dad. Before that, I was with a little bit of my grandparents and my mom and dad. So I'm with my dad. My dad is, uh, was fostered and adopted, couldn't read at 12 in Indiana, came from a poor family had come a long way from where he was. So he was providing for us decent wage, working at a tech company as like an, a test engineer, got me into sports, but he was also smoking weed in the house and he was bringing over like promiscuous women. And I could feel that environment of addiction and lust around the home. But yet being with my grandparents, I got to f- taste and see the Lord too. So like, as I kind of came into my own faith at around 16, I begun to see light, but then I'm living in in some dark brokenness, right? So where it became real dark was when I resented my dad and I was I wrote him off. The darkest place is when I saw my dad as a loser. So that was really tough. Speaking ill, you know, poorly about him and just bringing a lot of shame over him. <laughs> Unfortunately, I didn't help him, you know, I didn't help him. I tried to bring him to church, but in my heart, I was mad at him. I was like, I don't ever want to be like you. You're not what I want to be like. So that was probably my darkest. And whenever I got drafted and got a signing bonus, my dad called me and asked me for like a thousand bucks so that I could give him money for my signing bonus so that he can buy pills. And then he said, so he would sell them and pay me back. So the darkest is when I've already was frustrated with him. I'm trying to just find my own legs with my own faith walk. And I'm trying to just get away from the darkness, right? I'm like trying to find the light. So I'm scratching and clawing, trying to get that going. And and I have a little bit of success in that chapter. My dad wants me to, you know, give him money for his addiction. But he didn't come see me play because he couldn't. You know, he didn't have the money to go see me play. Not one family member watched me play a professional baseball game. And I'm not mad about it. It's just that's the reality. So you can just see the state of my family financially. There wasn't much. My host families, who happened to be Christians, became family at that time. And my brothers on the baseball team were family. And the youth pastor, wherever I was in that city, I would just like suck and grab hold of the family of God. And I couldn't ever feel quite at home, but they were like little foster spiritual parents throughout the chapters, right, as I was growing. And you could see that, right, like in me. I could see the frustration and the lack of confidence and things that come from having a good relationship with your father. But the way that got healed was coming to the harbor in 2009, 2010, restoring the father heart to my own heart, 
removing shame, you know, Romans 8, just like sonship, fear leaving, and just feeling approved and starting to feel accepted fully and wholly without works. And that was really a game changer. So as I was kind of getting into that and got married, it really started to take hold because my dad is asking me, he's just kind of updating me, but he's not really working. And I'm trying to get my legs under me with, with my new family as I'm getting married. And so this story happened where we get married, we're getting ready to get married. My dad has no money and I don't want to help him get down here. He's from central, he was, we were living in central Florida. He was. So he took out an Amscot loan, rented a tuxedo and took a Greyhound bus. And then he's late to the wedding reception, wedding rehearsal dinner at a member of the church's house where like Pastor Darren was there and all the bridesmaids and the groomsmen and we're all just like preparing for the big day, which was the mar- the wedding day tomorrow, the next day. And so, yeah, dude, this, this story is an epic one. So my dad comes in, you know, I've already shamed him, I've already put guilt on him. I've for already, years at this For point. years, probably eight years, right? He has no money. He's just dragging in. And, dude, Darren Davis stands up. And says to him, Mr. Groff, I just want you to know I feel like I see royalty on you. And so he started to cry a little bit. But I started, what happened to me was I got healed, began healing because I started to see my dad with more dignity because a spiritual father like Darren, who I respect so much, which I didn't with my dad, right? You could see the dialogue, the dynamic there brought restoration to even my view of my father, where I started to feel love over him as how God sees him, not the way I've been seeing him with my own, you know, my own life. So I started to like go from resentment to celebration toward my dad. So the next day we have our wedding, beautiful ceremony. My wife was a dance dancer and dance teacher. So we had like girls elegantly dancing and my dad was a was a mess. He was crying the whole time. Have you ever you seen know? him like that before? N- I mean, never really. No. So he's like getting super touched, and people are like just gravitating toward him and like loving on him and saying congrats to your son and all this beautiful stuff was happening. He's like getting excited, saying you guys are gonna have kids, and I can't wait to be a granddad and all this stuff. And he's just like you could feel like the love and the joy in him, and I felt it toward him for the first time in years. We go at our honeymoon, we come back after a week, and my uh, my dad, I get a call from a detective saying that my dad had a heart attack. He was he was on the floor for a while, and he's currently in the hospital on ice, and they're trying to reduce swelling in his brain to see if he's still alive. We go there, and it's just not looking good. So my dad did overdose on some pills, I had a heart attack, and his brain enlarged, but whenever I got to be there, I got to say some words to him and thanking him for everything and just totally healed all the resentment and shame I put on him and I felt over myself. I got to, just got to make amends with him and like love him and cl- bring closure to all that, all that pain. Literally, I kid you not, the next day my brother showed up and my mom, who was with my dad, obviously, you know, they were married at one point and my wife was with me. And the nurses said that the next day the vitals were up. And then after I left, they changed. So, like, they went down. So it was like his spirit was waiting for me 
to bring closure. And I feel like I got to wrap up that relationship and I felt like that propelled me forward. And if I don't, I don't think if I got that healed, I would be sitting here feeling the blessing and success that I have at the current moment. If it wasn't for that. I mean, that's years of carrying that with you. And then in a matter of weeks, it being lifted off and completely flipped and returned. You know, it's just an example of the glory of God, which is incredible. Did you feel different in the way that you reacted with everything? I felt proud to be me. (laughs) For the first time? I felt proud to be me for the first time. Yeah, because I didn't feel like I I had a reason to be embarrassed anymore, which is crazy because I always felt shame to my name. Not anymore. Y'all, you knew greatness wanted to shine, right? You always knew, like, everybody feels that. They feel that want to shine, but then, like, the shame and guilt overwhelms it. And it just, we just got rid of it, dude. <laughs> and, like, people tell me how confident I am, and I ooze with confidence. And I'm like, dude, you don't even know, dude. I used to be so insecure. And I still feel like I'm growing out of those things. But the fact that my name, my dad, and me, the DNA of, like, my family, it's not, I'm not ashamed. I'm proud to be me. I'm proud. I'm like, dude, my dad could throw a football 50 yards. He could hit a home run. He could paint. He could draw. He could, you know, I just started to look at all the stuff that he was great at, not the stuff that he wasn't. And I just was like, dude, that's how the father sees us, dude. He looks at all the beauty in us. Yeah, we make mistakes, but, like, let's focus on the beauty and the gifts and the talents and and celebrate that. And then everything else starts to be less of a deal because all of us want to just focus on the sin all the time, right? So I just started focusing on that with a new lens and broke that curse, dude, over my family. And, bro, you should see my wife and kids and us together. Like, we like, we just glow with love. I feel it every day. I know, but I knew if that wasn't healed, we wouldn't have it. So now let's, let's take it there, right? Now you're a father. Mm-hmm. Now you have an incredible testimony and an incredible impact on how God had literally put his fingerprint on your heart and removed stuff that was holding you down and you weren't able to walk in your identity. And now part of it is you're a father, mm-hmm. right? So take us there to some of the things that you didn't get as a son that now you are portraying to your kids as a father. Hmm. A mother who's loved by, by the dad, by dad. I never saw my mom feel loved ever i never saw my mom glow with love she was always fighting and scratching and clawing and pushing back and feeling like left out and unappreciated so they get to see their mom loved on and cared for and honored empowered that's what they get to see everything's nourishing in our home you know we take care of our health we're not addicted we're not angry so, I mean, it's like a, it's like they're feeling, they're feeling the same, they're feeling what I'm feeling right now, but from the start. So I'm really, really proud of, of that. You have your own business. Yes. You are now an entrepreneur pushing things in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the definition of success, right? Mm-hmm. You were a pro ball player. Success is pretty easily defined. You win a game, you lose a game. Mm-hmm. Now you're in the marketplace. 
and your father mm-hmm. talk about success and the definition of success as you're going through both of those courses as well? Mm. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, Thank you. Uh, that's an elusive thing to try to grab, you know, is to really define success. And I think that that's a really interesting question because ask me that two years ago, it's probably different, right? So it's definitely a project of like digging and asking really, really deep questions because basically, I mean, after after uh, baseball, meeting my wife, being here, getting so touched by moves of God and like messages of, of the grace of God and our identity as children and like I just got so touched that like I wanted to get into ministry. It seems to be the cool thing to do and my grandparents were in it and I didn't know business at that point. So like I felt compelled to do something grandiose and humongous here, right? So success started to look more like how integral am I as a part of that overall deal within the church and then because you were running Men's Connect, weren't you at, at a yeah, point? Yeah, ran Men's Connect. I've you know done you know ministry here. I've helped the worship ministry administratively. You know, Darren and I have done mission trips together. Kind of always dreamt of being somebody that would lead at some major capacity. And I don't know, just felt like family so close, right? Like this is family. So this is my house, and I'm a son, and this is I'm going to go whatever, right? The thing is though, is that we get so excited. God created this infrastructure here within like, I want to call like the incubator, right? Kind of bringing all that stuff together, healing me, getting me whole and strong. And the construct that I built was, let me go be, I want to be a preacher here and like go change the world, right? Like we've seen other churches and leaders rise up and do. Little did I know how beautiful the marketplace is going to be, like as he kind of ambushed me with a special guy named Adam, was also re- reconciled to his father here at this church, but it was in was in a marketplace and a competitor like me in sports. So he and I formed a mentorship. He mentored me, and he's like a bro. He's like a friend. But uh, he started to encourage me to think about business because of things like provision and knowing how I'm wired as an athlete. He knew I would do well. So I ended up getting connected and getting started a software company with a local commercial roofing contractor uh, that I met through some cool Christian leaders down here. I ended up launching that company thinking that perhaps I would have a percentage, like 10% of the company would exit 10 times annual recurring revenue. I would have a certain amount of money so that then I can go back into the church and be on staff or something, right? So that to me was success. So then like being a Men's Connect leader and launching that was really cool for me because I had a chance to lead, right? But, <laughs> but the Lord started to dig deeper into showing me that that construct of success, dude, was like crazy because I'm working for the software company. I already did Men's Connect, running crazy travel, three kids, wife's in nursing school, she's pregnant. I mean, we were just like stretched to zero capacity anymore. We're taking on more just because of this desire and hunger to be in leadership, right? So what I found was that through answering those deep questions of like, why do I still feel anxious? And I found that he exposed anxiety and, and insecurity even more on a deeper level that I didn't know I had. God never said anything about me needing to do ministry. It was like my own construct that I kind of created. And here's what I ended up realizing was that he kind of spoke to me. He's like, hey, if you if you end up getting to do this, you think I'm going to love you anymore or approve of you anymore if you did this? And I'm like, No. 
He's like, so why are you waiting to do this so you can prove of yourself more? Because I always felt like I wasn't arriving there until I kind of hit some like def- definition of success. And I realized, you're right, God, you don't, you're not going to love me more if I'm an influential church leader or not at all. That's not true. I'm not associated with my performance. That's not my value isn't associated with my performance. So when I released that definition of success, that construct, that box got smashed. Dude, I kid you not, the stars aligned. Three months later, I'm starting a business. I am exploding. I'm a consultant, so I work for myself. So I think about me like working as a software CEO or president, you know, making a hundred grand a year. That's better than anything my parents ever made. But now I'm like, I got into my first year between February and December, I did like 360. And so you think about how God's really blessed it. It's because I got I just opened up and, and just let him change my heart and on another level. I, I don't have bigger visions and stuff, but I don't need to make money so that then I could go be in ministry so that then I could feel better about myself. All that got cut to the end, and he's like, you're approved. You don't need to know what the future looks like. I don't feel like I need to know what I'm going to become anymore. I don't need to know that. I don't need to know that anymore because who I am is I fully can accept myself. If I'm in a church leadership position, if I'm not, if I'm, I mean, I don't even serve anymore. I just love my family and do business. I'm just focused. And I feel so proud of that where a few years ago, if I wasn't in like a leadership conversation I was like anxious and jealous because I wanted to I felt so much a tag to my own approval to this beautiful family and what it was up to but realizing God has got way bigger role for all of us and it doesn't look like this my the definition of success is you know take action be trusting loving my family and to always be growing because I think like as you see the parable of the talents you know the master gave a measure of talents to each, you know, the one who buried it, who didn't really think, how can I make this grow? How can I grow what's been given to me? How can I make it more? How can I change myself to make myself better, responsible, more responsible? How can I, what strategy is going to make this work? If I'm not always thinking about how to grow myself, my family, and make an impact on, you know, the little bit of responsibilities given me with my clients and people in my sphere of influence, then I don't feel like I'm succeeding. So the money is going to come. I mean, dude, what's the difference between if I had a million dollars right now or if you dropped $10 million in my lap or $100 million? People's heart's going to change. I guarantee you, you give some people that, their heart's going to change. Some people that are going to heart's going to change. So for me, it's just like, can I remain open, humble, generous, focused on love and the main thing, which is loving God and trusting God. So my, my goal is to stay trusting hold on to mystery and just be comfortable holding on to mystery and not having to have it all figured out so my heart's open, I can be present, love my family, be a good steward of what's been given to me, make it grow, and just like be thankful and just be happy. Just be thankful for all that's going on, all the good stuff. So that's success for me now, and that was a little bit of like the buildup as to how it's gotten there, and I don't think anybody just gets that right, right off the bat. I think they have to wrestle with their own constructs that they've been building like oh is 100 grand going to make me feel successful is being in this role going to make me feel successful is you know you got to right. like think about those things and be like okay what happens when you do that then so well, to go yeah. to go into kind of your thought process you felt like you were 
in order for you to be successful, you have to hit it here in a ministry at, at the church, right? Mm-hmm. And now your ministry is your family. Your ministry is your business. It's like that's where totally. your, your forms of worship and that's where your heavenly legacy lies, right? You don't, It's not necessarily inside the building or inside like a program of the church. It's right. like where you are right now. Right. How do you take that also into your family? Because you, you mentioned a lot about your business, great success in your business. What about your family, the way you raise your kids, the way you're a husband, the way you're a father? Yeah. I mean, um, I want people, I want my son to feel like, you know, that dad helped a lot of people. But he never, ever put his eyes and his attention on anybody more than mom and, and me. You know, I want that feeling to feel like, man, you had the choice to be everywhere, but you poured into me. And I feel like that creates that relationship where I'm hopefully, you know, demonstrating how the father is with us. Like he, he's always everywhere, but he chooses to be with me. But at the same time, I'm not always everywhere, right? We, we're, we're limited because we're human. So, yeah, I think success in a home is going to look like thinking long term bringing joy, you know, bringing uh, closeness, intimacy, relationship, trust. I think it's early right now to to know if I'm being successful because are they going to be in their 20s? Are they going to call me if they got a girlfriend or wife scenario and they want my help? Are they going to want me around? Are they going to want to live with us, near near us? Are they going to want to take vacation and be with us? Are they going to be like how I was and think about how far away they can get and not be like dad? So I think... I think I'm aiming toward the day when, you know, I'm walking my daughter down the aisle. You know, my sons are asking me what I think. Like, dude, I didn't ask my dad what I thought because I thought, he, you know, he wouldn't have anything good to say because I didn't value his wisdom. So my my hope is that they think that I'm their hero. And I, the way you do that is by just being with them, I think. So... We're trying to do things where I bring the family along whenever I do like a business, uh, like a mastermind retreat with my clients and let all my clients know that family-oriented is one of my principles and that it's okay for us to be family-oriented. I'm not going to be the kind of consultant that's like all about the Benjamins and growing your business, but then at the expense of your family. I know a lot of entrepreneurs and I've tasted, seen, and felt people who were in their early 30s with a young family building their business and making an empire and being like royalty in their space. But yet their kids today, when they're my age are uh, pretty jacked up to a degree, God can redeem everything, but I don't want that to be the case, man. I want that to. So I think the way that my kids treat other people and view themselves and treat each other. And that's important. So you've had major transformations, uh, major, you know, major transformations, not only business wise, the way that you view your role in the body, personally, hmm. a lot of transformations. Where have you seen, it could be with uh, your clients or your kids or your wife, where have you seen that transformation kind of manifest? And you've been able to take those lessons and those that healing that God did in your heart and you're, and you're using it outwardly. You're affecting the environment around you, the people around you. Can you take us and give us some examples of that? Well, let's start with what's most important, and that's the home. Like I mentioned before, being a competitor, a driver, somebody who wants to kind of keep being goal-oriented and growing towards something, people like that tend to be pretty anxious. So 
my wife's like Hakuna Matata, and I'm like, <laughs> you know, I'm like, dude, I gotta, I gotta sell something now. <laughs> so I'm like, I have a little bit more of a tendency to be anxious and aggressive. Where my wife's like, chill, dude. Um, she's like, let's get a tiny home and live off the land, you know. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, um, so that's us. So I think like just being able to not impose that anxiousness in the home anymore is really powerful. Here's an example. I'm so concerned about work, concerned about closing a deal, concerned about moving something to the finish line. I get an email, checking my phone. Lindsay's already made dinner. I get up from my table, look at it, totally unaware of the surroundings to worry about the work, and then I come back and my wife's like, what are you doing without saying it, right? Until now, a few years ago, she started to express it. I'm like, oh, oh, <laughs> I didn't realize the impact I was having on that, right? So like now, instead of me bouncing around and worried, I'm present. I'll take care of that later because I trust. It's all good. Hey, babe, this is a great meal. Thanks for making it. It tastes amazing. Actually being able to engage and love her moment by moment, that's huge because I'm not struggling with anxiety and I'm not worried about who I'm going to become and all the things I have to do to become the person I want to be so that I can finally feel good about myself. You know what I mean? So the thing is, you think that you're going to be less powerful. I thought that maybe you'd be less powerful if you're not always like, go, go, go. Dude, I'm more powerful. People want to hear from me. People buy my stuff. People listen to what I have to say because I carry peace. It's actually taken my competitive, goal-oriented, performance-oriented nature, which is great. Like, I think it's a gift. I don't think everybody's called to tend the garden and make the house good. I think some people are called to go out there, go to war, go and kill some stuff and bring it back. Like, that's, I feel like that's how I am. I'm a, I'm a warrior. I go kill stuff. I go make things move. I go shake things up. I'm not called to just tend the garden. My wife tends the garden. But can I be home and bring peace? Or am I gonna, am I like always anxious? Now, guess what? If I'm on the phone and I'm worried about something, I'm short with my wife. My wife gets, she feels cut, right? And then boom, 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 boom. And now the whole environment has this anxiety. And that affects our kids. I mean, it's just a ripple effect. What happens after that if our kids feel that anxiety? I mean, they feel less safe. They feel less safe. They're not feeling comfortable in their own skin. They're not comfortable. In their own... I mean, you could just look at all of the ripple effects that happen with just being a, being a human being, good, bad, and ugly. So I think my biggest transformation is my own home has more peace. Secondly, I when I started my company, I thought about how I could focus on the outcomes I want. And so I called the company a sales transformation group. So transformation is, you know, the, the motive and the mission behind it. But I use a vehicle of sales with a niche of like contracting companies. I'm able to teach from a place of growth, teach people how to how to grow, therefore make more sales, make more money, grow, have more confidence about things, deal with failure better. I mean, I'm just, I'm like a coach, but I'm doing, doing it in a business environment for, for a certain niche. Cause a lot of these guys in contracting, I mean, they're all broken. All of us are, but like a lot of them are coming out of drugs. A lot of them have issues. So for, to, for them to see someone who cares about them, who's whole, who's loving their families, posting about their family. You know, there's a lot of guys who are coaches who people look up to who, are pretty jacked up. So I'm, I feel like I'm proud to be a good role model to those guys. And my actions speak louder than what I'm saying. So I feel like as long as I'm consistent, give people hope and people are growing and making more money, but it's not just about that. They're not just making more money. They're like, 
more organized, they have more peace, they're taking care of their body, they're eating healthier, they're loving themselves more, they're not just drinking and boozing. Or There's a lot of that holistic outcomes that are happening outside of my home that I had to do at home first that hundreds of people are getting to feel and taste and implement in their own life. I want to say thank you for doing this. I know uh, we went to some spots that weren't easy, so I appreciate opening up your heart and your vulnerability. Yeah, my pleasure. uh, Thanks again, man. Thanks for tuning in to the Harbor Transformation Podcast. I hope that you were enriched, inspired, and blessed by what you heard. Please subscribe on the podcast app and be sure to follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also download our Harvard Church mobile app. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.